nine seconds left in the game and play has stopped. Doc is on the mic. Giving it up for Dirk. Wow. I've never seen this before. Of all time. Dirk Nabisky. Wow. This is uh been around this game a long yes, time I we have. both have and that is a first that is pretty classy stuff by doc rivers that is some beautiful stuff god that was one of the coolest things i've ever seen numbers on the boards i'm bobby corella he's jeff skin wade hola that was pretty awesome last night what doc did for dirk you know it's, it's uh it was electric and uh i was on the the post game set at fox sports southwest uh in the studio you know sit between dana and said and by that point in the game we're all kind of behind the desk right like at some point during the broadcast we leave from this like couch area where we can watch the game and we're all sitting on the set and we're getting ready and we're getting ready to talk about Oh, my God, Luca just got a triple-double. It happened. Oh, my God, you know. So we're getting ready to talk about that. And then our jaws just, like, hit the desk as we're watching this going, what are we watching right now? I've never seen anything like that. And so we then we spent the next 20 minutes just basking in the glory of the big German, which is really what this last month or so of Maverick basketball seems like it's been about, man. Yeah, and someone mentioned it. It might have been, I think it might have even been you, or maybe it was follow-all on the broadcast, but someone brought up The Soul of Basketball. I did. book. Okay, yeah, yes. so it was you. Because uh, Doc figures prominently in yeah, that. Yeah, Doc is a huge piece of that. And yeah. sometimes it's like, it's so easy to, f to forget, I guess, that over the course of Dirk's career, it wasn't just like Tim Duncan and KG and then LeBron later on. That there have been a whole lot of other adversaries that he's faced, and and Doc is a championship coach, and Dirk is a championship player, and mm -hmm. they were both kind of at their peaks at the same time, and so, you know, real recognize real, and uh, that was pretty awesome for Doc to, I mean, literally stop the game. He yeah. Called a timeout with nine seconds left and and grabbed the mic. I mean, that was that was so so cool. I've never seen anything like it. Um, and then to hear Carlisle after the game say he's never seen anything like it, but you know the. Uh, the basketball world is so uh, uniquely woven together. A good example is that uh, during our Mavs Insider, which if you have not seen the Charlotte Mavs Insider, I highly recommend it. 
my favorite part, and I guess I can do the spoiler now since it's been out, is my favorite part is actually Daryl Armstrong getting emotional and crying about Dude, Dirk. That was really emotional. And Daryl Armstrong played on that Doc Rivers Orlando team that everyone wrote off that went 500, and I think Doc won Coach of the Year that year. Keep in mind that Derek Harper is super tight with Doc because when he was traded to New York, they had those connections. And I've been sitting – Was Doc on that team or was he coaching I believe Doc was on that team and hurt. Okay. okay. Uh, man, I got to go back I didn't know that they had a relationship. They have a good relationship, and I have been sitting next to Harp during TV broadcasts where he will randomly get text messages from Doc Rivers – who is somewhere else in the United States watching our broadcast. Wow. Okay. And then I've also, and Followell can tell you way better stories than I can, but I've been sitting next to Harp and Followell in games that were playing against a Doc coach team, and he turns around and just starts talking to Harp about whatever's going on in the game because yeah. they're 15 feet away. So they are very tight yeah. and have a huge respect because they come from the same era, and they're both physical, tough-minded guys. I think Doc grew up in Chicago, the son of a cop. Harp went from Florida to that area to play for the University of Illinois. So they have a lot of ties and a lot of mutual respect. But uh, knowing what I know about Doc through other people, there's not one thing about that that even remotely surprises me. Yeah. Uh, but it's also so cool that it happened because it was just it was just so unexpected. It was like, I don't even know what to equate it to. Like one of these, you're already witnessing something and then something so out of character happens. It's like... You know, hey, Prince is performing at the Super Bowl and he's doing a Foo Fighters cover. And you're like, wait, wait, what just happened? I don't, this is going on right now? You yeah. know, it's just like this miracle thing that happens. It's beautiful and everyone universally loves it. And yeah. uh, that's what that was last night, just on a random Monday night West Coast game. Yeah, and Rick pointed out too, pretty astutely after, actually after the game, it was a competitive game. I mean, yeah. the last like minute or so you knew that it was going to be out of hand. But I mean, for about 46 and a half minutes, Doc is worried about winning and right. like, making the playoffs and all this stuff. We, we should say this too, because you know people I think just start throwing out, hey, they're tanking and this and that and the other. Keep in mind that it's in the best interest of the Los Angeles Clippers because of their record to go ahead and make the playoffs this year, convey their pick to Boston, and then have their pick back next year in what could possibly be the double draft yeah. if they pass the age. So uh, I think people go, oh, they traded Tobias Harris. They're, they're tanking. No, they're not. Um, they're, uh, they're competitive people trying to win games. So the Mavericks and the Clippers both wanted to win that game. Really what night. they needed to do is clear out Tobias and Boban and a bunch of other guys uh, to make way for Montrez Harrell because god. that guy is a beast. He kills us. Oh my god! Yeah, his numbers against the Mavs this season are just outrageous. And the thing is, like, he is kind of the Spider-Man meme with Dwight Powell. Like, mm -hmm. they're almost the same guy. I guess yeah. Dwight shoots a little more uh, from the perimeter, and Harrell probably goes a little harder. Is more like a bully kind of guy. Yeah, but dude, those two like per minute are just incredible players. What about that one play too that totally embodied everything where they were both just trying to rip the rebound away from and Dwight yeah. came away with it. <laughs> yeah, but, but the ball like almost went through the floor. Yeah, it's you know you just th those are guys that you know when you're drafting or whatever scouts pass over. Well, he doesn't shoot, and he's undersized, and this, that, and the other. And then you put him in a game, and he kicks all this ass. It's it's amazing. Uh, Kenneth Fareed, who I think is very Montrez Harrell, fell off the basketball map. Uh, then you dust him off and you throw him out there with James Harden, and he's a double double machine. Yeah, and it's like who doesn't want that? Yeah, uh, I think the thing is like I guess this is kind of getting into college coaching, which I don't really know a whole lot about. But in college, Harrell was like a post up guy. He was mm -hmm. a back to the basket, sort of really slow down, knock down, drag out, and that just doesn't exist in the NBA anymore. Right, and so, he's undersized for even if you had visions of I'm going to post this guy up. You wouldn't 
you know, pick him out of a lineup of players and go, well, there's my post up yeah, guy at sure. six seven or six yeah, eight. No one's posting up power forwards anymore. Right. So that's that's a moot point. So he has to play center, but he's right. a, he's a back to the basket guy. So that's kinda like coaches not doing them any favors. Like I, one thing you see with Zion a whole lot is that he's only been used as the role man, I think, two or three times all season. With Duke and man, like in the NBA, he is going to be like instantly one of the most dynamic rollers. This is this is my. I don't want to get on a college rant. Yeah, well, yeah, I I I don't even want to go down that. I can't even. I mean, dude, I am in no way disrespecting the amazing legacy of Mike Shashevsky, but I turned on a Duke game to watch that Zion thing that everybody wanted to watch. And Zion gets hurt, and so I'm watching this. I'm going, are they really still running a double post, throw it around the perimeter, and a guy takes a contest? Is that what the greatest college basketball coach of all time is rolling out right now? Yep. This is crap. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It just doesn't do, it doesn't do the players the favor of like showing very, very clearly on film the way that Luka did playing pro in Real Madrid. Like This is exactly what I can do in the NBA. There's right. no projection. Like right. What you see is what you're going to get, and right. there's none of that in college. Yep. But I, I guess agree. it was kind of like that with Towns because he shot a little bit at Kentucky, and he was mostly in the post, and he posts up a lot in Minnesota. But mm-hmm. like for the most part, if you're in college, you're not doing what you're going to do in the pros. Nope. So uh, anyway, that's Mavs Clippers talk. Yeah, uh, <laughs> very very circuitous route. But uh, by the way, I'm not. I, just, I don't want to get into tampering world. Mm. But uh, as we try to figure out what the Mavericks are going to do in the off season, he's not even available, so I'm not tampering. But a Montrez Harrell type player would be a good addition to this team to be a rebound presence. If there's going to be times where Porzingis is your whatever inside player and then Luca's going to get a lot of rebounds I think Dorian's showing he'll do some rebounding but they need another manimal rebounder type. yeah for sure and there's a few guys like him I mean again I don't want to get into tampering but the first name you think of is like Julius Randle yeah Fareed uh Harrell and there's other guys even Dwight Powell is kind of that guy I don't think he's really like the rebounder I no. guess uh he's more of the minute rebounder guy yeah right, right but uh he's that type of offensive player yes you need someone that's going to be really good around the rim because yep. i'm not sure you're going to be wanting chris Stapps to roll to the rim no. 40 times a game so uh yeah that's can, can I, you, I think that's you, a good point though since you brought that up can we chat about this about what how many times have you had a chance to because i know you go on some road trips yeah and road trips are different than home games because we don't have the practice court so all the players go out there and they get warmed up on their little end of the court mm. so at utah on saturday night no luca right because of the ankle so everyone went out there and did their workouts, and then they all went back in, and there was two guys left out on the court, and it was Luca, and it was Kristaps. Ooh, that's the dream. And man, I'm telling you, Bob, I lost my mind. Yeah, like were they doing was, stuff together, or was it individual? It was individually, but it was in sync. Yeah, and so I'm just watching balls rain in, and watching Porzingis practice hard jab step backs at seven three, and I watched him make seven in a row. And I'm just going, this is not fair or real. <laughs> and meanwhile, on the other side of the court, you know, they're like both at 45 degree angles, just raining jumpers on top of each other. And so your your basketball imagination starts running crazy. And because there's not other players out there, it's just them. And then the, you know, Patton's feeding. And uh, I think uh, Jamal was actually still out there feeding. And I'm watching this and I'm going, look at 
all the room for activities. So much room for activities. Yeah. Like, wh- who do we want to put out here in this space for activities? Who wants to cut? Who wants to roll? This floor is wide open, and people are not going to be able to defend it. Yep. And I just got... I just got giddy. I think I was standing out there at midcourt by myself in a suit, just giggling, you know, to where someone might like look out there and go, who's that crazy person who's talking to themselves <laughs> giggling? That, that doesn't seem right. Call security. It, it got me so geeked up, dude. Yeah. I mean, you can't, if you're a shooter, you're going to get 10 wide open threes a game. Yes. I mean, they're they're going to take 40, 50 threes a game next season. You're going to get a, a bunch cra- of dunks. Uh, a, a Clay Thompson type. Uh, would be crazy. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta tread here. lightly, but yeah, yeah. I mean, r- genuinely though, if you're watching, like, okay, so uh, Maxi's three point percentage this season has been up and down, right? Yes. Started great, then was in a pretty prolonged slump, and then had like two weeks where he was a flamethrower, and then it's right. kind of leveled off, I yeah. guess, since then. Sort of like low to mid thirties, which is fine. Uh, but every single shot that he gets, li- literally every single shot that he's getting right now. As a starter, I guess he's not started the last two games, but generally as a starter, are going to go to Porzingis next season. Mm -hmm. So all the times that Maxi's wide open, just like sub him out for Porzingis in your mind. Now, maybe Maxi is rolling. Maybe he's still on the floor, but he's at the basket or like he's in the corner. He's not like the guy that's setting the screen. That's going to be Porzingis. Yeah. So all these times that Luke is getting doubled off screens, coming off screens, and they're they're blitzing him or trapping him, forcing him to half court and leaving Maxi or Powell or somebody else open for three, you're not doing that for Porzingis next no. season. So you're single covering Luca every time, or yes. you're leaving Porzingis open for three. Either way, it's going to lead to an open shot. And and watch, I, I uh, I'm trying to figure out the way to say this to where it doesn't sound disrespectful to anybody, but our offensive firepower when Porzingis is on the floor changes dramatically. So watch now, without Porzingis, these ridiculous cross-court skip passes that Luca finds wide-open guys on the other side of the floor. Those are even easier to make when the guy that you're skipping is Porzingis that you absolutely cannot stay. If you stray four feet, you get burned. And so I'm just sitting here going, do these – Perspective free agents realize how easy their li- – or even a guy like Tim Hardaway Jr., who will be back next year under contract, mm-hmm. man, his quality of looks are going to be outrageous. I don't think it's disrespectful to say, like, that defenses aren't going to give Maxi the same level of respect that they will Porzingis, yeah. right? And that, But that's, like, ultimately what you want to use to your advantage, right? right. Is that, you know, these are uh, – Porzingis is like a world-class jump shooter. Yes. (laughs) Obviously, you're not going to want to leave him. He doesn't Uh, miss, dude. Yeah, no, he's incredible. I don't want to, like, say it's Dirk or whatever, but I think I've told this story to you before. I remember the first time I watched Dirk shoot, and it was actually extended footage on Dale Hansen's Sunday Night Sports Special, and it was Dirk shooting at Baylor. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching this, and this is 1998 or 9 or whenever this was. This probably would have been the summer of 98. And um, it's after the draft. And I called my dad late on a Sunday night, and I was like, Dad, you are not going to believe the center that the Mavericks just drafted. He is an unbelievable shooter. He does not miss. Of course, I'm talking about him in terms he's a center. And, you know, here we are six months later, Nelly starts him at small forward. But my whole point was, like, I'm just watching it going, this is not normal. Mm. And that's the feeling you get with Porzingis. You watch it. I mean, dude, you and I have been around this team for a long time. We've watched a lot of guys go out there and shoot. And a lot of guys go out there and make a bunch of shots, but this is different. 
Yeah. This is just it's just different. He's the tallest player in the NBA. Yeah. And he's also like above 40% on threes. You're the first one that that told me that cuz I guess I just had in my mind that there's probably some 75 guy somewhere but him and Boban him are and listed. Boban and now Boban is much larger. Right. I guess Porzingis is kind of a he's kind of like me. He's all height and not a lot of width, I guess. He although they're like, working on that. He looks like him. he's starting to fill out a little bit. Yeah. And that's part of the I guess the rehabilitation that right. they're kind of put him through is building up his body, especially his core, to help kind of lighten the load on his knees. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, whatever it is, it's worked because that guy is a monster. Uh, so, Doncic, Benny Smith, Powell, I think it's reasonable to believe that they'll be back here next year. Yeah. Obviously, things could happen, but, like, we're talking Let's about outside of trades or whatever because Powell's yeah. under contract. Well, yeah, he, he has can an option. Opt in. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. I think he'll opt in. Yeah, well, we'll, s- we'll see. We'll yeah. see. But uh, you can at least envision the archetype of player, right? So yeah. you know Doncic will be here. Powell, rim roller, Finney Smith, 3 and D wing. Yeah. Okay. Those three with Dirk, they've now played 67 minutes together, which is not a whole lot in 14 games, which is also not a whole lot. They're averaging about five minutes a game together. But in that time... Whenever those four are on the floor, the Mavs are scoring 112 points per 100 possessions. How about that? Which would like lead the NBA or be top five yeah. at least. So whenever Luka is out there with a stretch big man, a rim roller, and a wing who can shoot it, the Mavs are scoring outrageous uh, with outrageous efficiency. And then defensively, they're only allowing 98.6, which is pretty incredible. That too. is pretty incredible. Especially because last night, those guys were going up against Harrell, who scored like 30 points on two shots. Yeah. Okay, so give me that again. You have Dorian, you have Powell, you have Dirk, you have Luca, and, and that's it. Okay, just those four. Yeah, and yeah. Then now the fifth five. could be anybody. Right. Now, last night it was Hardaway. Earlier in the year, it's been Brunson. Sometimes uh-huh. it's been uh, another big, like Ma- uh, not Maxi. I guess... Th- I think they have played with Maxi because for a little bit they went Maxi Dirk Powell for yeah. like very short, yeah, very brief runs. But um, that's kind of the, I guess one of the things to keep your eye on down the stretch is like what kinds of players per- pl- perform well with Luca, and then what kind of players does Luca perform well with? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, what brings out the best in Luca? Is it playing with Brunson, so like a point guard size guy that can do a lot of playmaking? Or is it like do let him do everything and let all the other guys just feed off of him? Right. And I think the answer is kind of in the middle, I guess, because if it does come to be that Luca is the only point guard, right? There, mm-hmm. you're, there's no six-two guy out there. Porzingis is still going to do a, quite a bit of ball handling, or at least uh, controlling the ball in the post at the mm-hmm. elbow, stuff like that. Playmaking capacity. Yeah, kind of like the Barnes thing. Yeah. Like you give it to him to score. Right. It, he doesn't have to just like. You don't have to do all the work for him. Right. So uh, maybe that helps lighten Luca's load. But whenever you look at, like, Luca's starting and there's no point guard and he turns it over nine times and some a lot of yeah. them are unforced, it's kind of like, well, maybe it's just best to have another yeah. guy out there that can help him. You don't want you him know? to fall into a hardened trap. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. For and sure. they have Chris Paul. It's just Chris Paul's been hurt a bunch. But Yeah, yeah. And they have Capella, and, you know, Capella's been out a lot too. Right. So uh, there's Kenneth Fareed for you. But anyway, yeah, so that's kind of one of the things that I'm watching is do they keep scoring like crazy whenever it's just Luka, a bunch of shooters, and a rim runner? Mm-hmm. And so far the answer is yes. yes. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, it's – okay, here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. This is kind of a philosophical question, I guess. Uh, Space. W- yeah. Uh, how do we get here, man? Uh, <laughs> what is – obviously, <laughs> I don't believe that the team is tanking. No, I don't either. There's no incentive to lose. No. Um what 
what are you watching the rest of the season? What are okay. what are what are what are things that are there's really one thing that's occupying well, you know, I can talk well, a lot about, of Dirk. You like know, that's, that's that's what it is. That and, and it, but here's here's the the caveat to all that is we try to crawl into the brain and the mind of our favorite person and try to imagine what he's thinking. So he has started back-to-back games. He has played minutes that mattered in the second half after sitting at halftime. And so it's pretty clear based on, you know, the time off and then what we saw early on, what he was able to do, that he's ramping up. And... And his numbers are getting better, And his too. numbers are getting better. Back-to-back, double-figure games. And I'm sitting here watching this, and I'm going... I mean, he his impact on the floor is significantly different than it was two months ago. It's not up to Dirk's standards, but it's significantly better. And I'm watching this going, what is he thinking right now? Like, this is not in any... I'm not saying anything that Dirk has told me or people that know Dirk has told me. I'm basing this all on... What I know about Dirk, how many times I've interviewed Dirk, the things I've heard Dirk say off mic, and what I believe that he he cares most about. And I think he's in a weird space right now because I think what's happening right now is back in April when he took off the final three games, I think it was, to have ankle surgery, what he thought this year was going to be like. And so... I think what I know about his personality and his outlook and those things, I think if you bumped into him in an elevator in mid-December, you probably caught very sad dirt going, this is not what I signed you up for. You could see him on the floor. I mean, it looked like he wasn't having fun. And right. that's what, for years, he said is the only reason that he's keeping going right. is because it's fun. And what's fun about it, though, and he said this word 50 times last night, is the ability to compete. Because what, uh, you know, I've heard a million of these great players talk about this it's not even so much like I mean they all love winning and all that goes but you can't go into your next phase of life and recapture that exhilarating moment where you have the ball and there's 12 seconds to go and you're down one and you can do something incredible like even if you go on and be captain of industry the apex of those moments aren't congruent you know and so it's like he's a very smart, savvy guy, and so he knows that's what's going to be gone. You know, people talk about the camaraderie of the locker room, and all those things matter. I'm not minimizing any of that, but there's these individual specialized moments that only a few people in the world can really relate to, and that's what they can't go replicate. And that's why, for example, uh, Tony Romo is not coaching because he's not going to get that in coaching. He probably has a better chance of getting that standing over an 18-foot putt to win the Masters. So that's where he puts his energy towards. I've heard Troy Aikman talk about he had called one of the best Super Bowls of all time, and Ron Jaworski comes up and is just going nuts, going, can you believe how good that was? And Troy's like, no, I played in Super Bowls. Yeah. So it's like trying to find those moments in your next phase of life that are going to matter to where Dirk hits a shot and then turns around and Kobe Bryant on the other team pats him on the ass is like, you're the man. <laughs> he ain't going to go find that, and he knows that. And so that has been eluding him this year. But now he's kind of at a point where he's pretty close to, like, can I get that back? I mean, don't you think that those four minutes in the All-Star game, even though it wasn't a crazy competitive game, was the closest thing he's had to that this particular season? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. And so we're a week and a half removed from that, Bobby. That's not that long ago. And the Garden a couple weeks before that, whenever he was in New York. And filling it up. Yeah. 
And uh, and so my point is that while everyone's, all right, say goodbye to Dirk, everybody. I think Dirk's standing there at midcourt going, I don't know. Mm. Like, I think we all, I think I thought this two months ago, but man, I'm actually mattering on the floor in the way that I want to matter. Yeah, in Utah the other night, I mean, he went on a 7-0 run, I think, by himself to make it a three-point game. It was awesome. And you're thinking, like, what the heck? Right, and so... It's easy for us to go, okay, Dirk, thank you, man. Thank you for giving us this goodbye. And I think he probably thinks, all right, this is goodbye. But I think there's part of him going, okay, I'm kind of just now getting back to what I thought this year would be like. And you're telling me that Porzingis and Luca are ready to go? Yeah. I don't know, man. I just, I, I'm not sitting here saying I think he's going to come back or whatever. I'm just trying to get into his mind based on what he's told us over the past and how I see him react to certain things. I'm trying to uh, just project myself into the psyche of the big German because he matters so much to all of yeah, us. Yeah, I mean, the big things that he's talked about for reasons why he would want to keep playing, whether this is 2014 or 2019, is it needs to be fun. Mm-hmm. And being good is fun. Right. So whether you're winning or losing, if you're making your shots, that's fun. Uh, can you compete? Will the team be good? I think the team is going to be pretty good next season. Uh, and then finally, is he a, like a liability to the team? Is right. he is he getting in the way? Whether that's like a farewell tour, drawing attention away from his teammates, or whether that's taking a, minutes. Yeah, taking minutes from somebody who's more deserving. Right. Or you know, you're playing 12 minutes a game, and in those 12 minutes a game, we're getting outscored by eight points every right. night. And that's what was happening earlier in the season. Yes. So uh, even the fun and the competition aside, he was contributing to bad things earlier in the season because he was still playing himself into shape. Right. Now he's in shape, right. and his plus-minus is, like, still – it's pretty good again. Yes. Like, generally, they're good whenever he's on the floor. So, so he think about that. He's put in all of this work to get back to get to here, and now there's 20 games left, and, and it's like, bye. Yeah. God, thanks for everything. He's going. Well, I mean. And what if over the next 22? What? How many games we got? 20, like, 22 games. Yeah. What if he averages like nine and a half points per game and shoots like 48, 38, 85? Because he doesn't have the ego to where it's like, I've got to start and I've got to do this and I've got to be this guy because I think he has the personality where he's like, I'm cool being a contributor uh, to something bigger than myself because that's what his whole career has been about. But because he was so individually great, it ended up being about him organically, Mm -hmm. then I think it's I think it's a different conversation, and you know it'd be funny if like we're ta- doing all this talk and uh, him and Jess are running up to uh, you know the sandwich shop and they throw our podcast on and they're just laughing at how silly we sound. <laughs> going, you morons, we've made our decision. But uh, and but I just, maybe he has, and maybe he has. But I just think that these last three weeks have been way, 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 way different from the other four months that led up to it. Yeah, so the last 14 games, his effective field goal percentage is over 50, which 50 is still a little below average. Like, you want to be closer to, like, 52 or 53 at least, especially if you're taking a lot of threes. But considering it was under 40 for the first 15, 20 games that he played, that's a huge improvement. Yep. Huge improvement. And that is fun. And I don't even, uh, man, I, I feel so uncomfortable talking about what he wants to do because I'm not even sure that he's decided yet. Maybe yep. he has. But if you have the promise of coming back next season and you can play 10, 15 minutes a game with Porzingis who worships you and yeah. not as like a, not a, like the self-indulgent, like I'm going to show you youngster, but like 
that means a lot to Dirk that somebody as good as Porzingis looks up to him. Right. And I think they do get along. Yeah, and I'd he and Luca get along. I mean, oh, yeah. if you can come back and spend another year with those guys, and like maybe they get another good player this summer or something, and maybe Dirk coming back helps them get another good player. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's got to be a draw. It's just it is weird, like you said, to just work yourself up to get back. You're finally back, and then it's over. Mm-hmm. That's weird. That's weird. But you know, it's like we're we're all projecting our wants and desires on another person that just because he just I want him to play m- forever. Dude. I know, and and he's meant so much to so many different people. Like you know, I I it it's I don't I'm not sitting here saying that I feel like I know what he's going to do. I have no idea, but I am interested in talking about these things just because I think about them a lot. And, you know, he's given us a lot of things to talk about. I hadn't even considered this, and I'd have to go back and look at KG's last year, but when Cuban came on the Ben and Skin show and said, oh, this is Dirk's last year, and then the next day had to walk it back because I'm sure the conversation was Dirk going, Cubes, bra, what do you, you know, yeah. get out of my space. Um, that, you know, when Cuban walked it back, he mentioned something about the KG role. It was almost like KG was like, if I, my memory is that he was like a ceremonial starter or something which I don't think Dirk would be that, but uh, I think it'd be a variation of that role where it's like mentor contributor or something. Still with the team. Yeah. Maybe he's not playing 82 games. Right. And he doesn't have to get six hours of treatment every day. Just to, I mean, that's the thing, dude, for him to have come back after the surgery he had and with the complications that he had, like he puts in so much time to get, just to get stretched. Yes. Like, He's spending so much time just to play six minutes. Right. Like, it's unbelievable. That's how much he likes this still. Yeah. And that he's still willing to do that. Yep. Makes me think that, like, a part of him wants to keep going. Yeah. You know? But I don't know. I mean, there there are worse fates than uh, spending six months flying around the country with a bunch of guys that like you, <laughs> whether you're playing or not. Right, you know? right. So I, I don't know if this is it, but I certainly think that he'll still be around a little bit uh, next year, no matter what he does. But, you know, and he joked about this in the post game last night. I don't remember exactly how he said it, but it, I, I think on some level he's never going, well, I guess everybody's made my decision for me. Yeah. You know, but uh, hey, it's uh, it's just what the, what the situation is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a big thing to keep your eye on. Uh, other things, I guess, just real quick stuff, Dorian and Maxi, upcoming free agency. Um, in your mind, is Dorian – I mean, we don't know what free agency is going to bring in terms of new players. In your mind, is Dorian a starter on this team? I don't know. I think in a, in a perfect world, he shoots three a little better. Uh-huh. He's He's gone down, I think, into the low 30s now, which is not ideal. Right. Uh, but defensively, running the floor – Offensive rebounds. He's our best offensive rebounder. Yeah, he's really good. He's I mean, I don't, I don't, I haven't looked at offensive rebound percentage, but my eyes tell me he's our best offensive rebounder. Yeah, and the thing is, like, he was a better three point shooter earlier in the season. He was above forty for a while, but now that his his three point numbers, they kind of resemble Sean Marion's. Like, he kind of is Sean he's Marion. Sean Marion, but like, that's that's unfair to say because of Matrix's career. But yeah, the Sean role, Marion's like a Hall of Famer. But yeah, like right now, yes. late in Marion's career, twenty fourteen, basically, right. whenever he was kind of, he's just like that in-between guy just yes. does a bunch of weird stuff you know? slasher defensive presence offensive rebounder athletic presence really good off the bounce really nice passer too yeah he's absolutely. like he's got a really weird skill set it's like very unique because he's not three and d because he he's not really he's not the most consistent three-point shooter but he gives you a lot more than what you would think a 
your stereotypical three and D guy. Would. I think I think the other thing about the three and D guy that uh, is undervalued if the guy does it right is the timely cutting. Mm-hmm. Uh, because yeah, it's nice to have the bail out in the corner, but also like sometimes you get down there and if you move to the right space, it's a layup, mm-hmm. right? And I think he's a I think he's got pretty good intuition about cutting. Yeah, and running the floor too, just yeah. doing everything, playing big minutes, guarding multi multiple positions. Right, I and mean, the guy's good. So. Uh, him and Maxi, I think, have have earned themselves quite a bit of money this year, and I'm sure that'll that'll remain the case. Um, overall, I do want to talk to you about one thing, and yep. I, I, you know, I'm not trying to like make fun of anybody, but uh, at the beginning of the season, you were very, very into the Lakers. Yes, and uh, I remember, I don't remember what I said, but I remember saying something like, "I'm not sure about them." Yep, and uh, things have kind of turned south for the guys in Lakerland. Now they're only three games out of the playoffs, and every team slumps, and they're also they've had their fair share of injuries too. But what the heck is going on, Skin? Okay, so uh, this is I like this conversation because there's a lot of layers to it, right? Yep. Do you remember where the Lakers were on Christmas Day? Uh, like where in the world or in the standings? In general, both. Uh, Do you remember what they were doing on Christmas Day? I think that they were they had a pretty good record on Christmas Day. They I were like fifth, they were third, fourth or fifth in the West. They're, they're like in that. the top four. Yeah. And on Christmas Day they were destroying the Golden State Warriors on national TV. LeBron went and then late in the fourth down. quarter, LeBron went down. And so he was gone for we'd have to look, but twenty something games. Yeah, it was a long, a long time. time. Yeah. And by the time he came back, not only had they completely tumbled in the standings, but it was a ghost ship because of the machinations of an agent. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, too, that at the time I'm watching it going, that's not good, but I didn't project this. But I don't think it's good when the guy who means so much to your team is sitting up with the executives drinking wine during the game. Because he's basically telling you, I'm not with you guys, I'm with these guys. Like if you go back and read, I think it's the the Phil Jackson book. I'm trying to remember, God, which book is it? But it tells the story where basically early on Magic Johnson became super tight with Jerry Buss, and so the other players in the locker room didn't trust Magic early on because now it's Magic, and it worked out, right? Yeah. But the whole point is that it's like, wait, are you with them or are you with us? It's not an us-versus-them thing in the, in the NBA, but it kind of is. It kind of is because, like, no, hold on a second, because we don't control our fate, but you do, Yeah. right? So you're gone you're drinking wine with them, and I got to wake up every day and read that my your agent is trying to get rid of us. Yeah. So that's a tough situation. Now, I it's I think it's real easy after the fact, after they've lost all these games, to grab a microphone and go, "Man, these little babies need to man up," you know. And I'm, you know, they need to be professionals. And I'm like, okay, well, it's part of being a professional drinking wine with the front office. Yeah. Like, let's talk about professionalism. Mm-hmm. Like, are you with these guys or not? Because as great as he is, and he's the greatest player of his generation, man, there's a long history of people that haven't been able to figure out how to play with him. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I, I think there's I think there's a lot of criticism. I mean, I'm not letting young players off the hook or whatever, but I think there's a lot of criticism that the king needs to take a look at in this situation himself. He is not bringing these people together. And, the, and I think he sees himself, oh, I'm the ultimate team guy that brings everybody together. And so it's like, 
you need to do this. I don't know how different this is than your situation in Cleveland a year ago where they had to trade the entire team at the last minute to try to figure out a way to pump Including some Including his best friend. Right. So, I mean, I think there's some mirror time that needs to go on here. But I think that injury and then while he was away, the Anthony Davis thing completely destroyed that team. Now, having said all that, they can still make the playoffs, and if they do, it's going to be because LeBron James did one of the greatest things he's done, right? And if they do, it's probably a day with Golden State and LeBron versus Golden State. Could go I guarantee many you Golden directions. State does not want the Lakers yeah, in the first round. Yeah, it could go many different they directions. They want the Kings or they want the Clippers or mm. they want the Mab. They don't want they don't want the greatest player of his generation in the first yeah, round. No, absolutely not. Uh this is kind of an interesting thing for LeBron because he's now what, thirty four? He's about to 35. be thirty five, I think, Dude, right? I mean, he's getting old and his numbers are still great, but he's How getting old. How old is LeBron James? Sorry. Oh, that's uh that's some good technology yeah, there. Yeah, man. If it works. Let me let me just Google that for you real quick. LeBron is going to be 35 on December 30th. Okay. So 35 next season. Yep. Uh, everybody's been saying he's been getting older for a while, but he is officially getting older. Yeah. He's gonna, it's about to be year 17. He's playing on a team with literally a, kind of a bunch of teenagers. I mean, yep. they're all 20, 21 years old. Right. This is totally new for him. And at this stage in his career, 15, 16 years in, to suddenly play with a bunch of guys who are on their rookie contract, that's a tough situation to be in. Yeah, plus right. I mean, all like, that chatter about the coach getting fired. Oh yeah, and I mean, it's I mean, there's the a Lakers great too, and that's the just being on the Lakers alone is enough to make things weird. Yeah, there's know? a there's a graveyard of coaches in LeBron's wake too. Let's not forget that. Yeah, no, there are there or there is. I guess there is a graveyard. R is. Yep, there R is. It's like the there Jazz. Is. Did, did the Jazz, you know, uh, the Jazz are good or the Jazz is I, good? I, I, I can't even talk. Uh, who do you I call someone? Utah. Who do you call someone who plays for the Thunder? The Thunders, a Thunderman, Thunderman, the a, Thunder Playerman, a, a jazz, a jazz musician, Jasmine. Um, it's kind of, it's like, it's such a weird career step, I guess. Like very unusual for someone who's older to go, like not only to go young, but go like super duper young. Do you, do you realize why Rich Paul is ta- well? I mean, agents all do that stuff, but think about this. Do you think that LeBron for one minute thought he wasn't going to show up in L.A. this summer with another free agent? Yeah, I mean, it was probably part of the plan. Okay, so that's a slap to the face. Now he may not make the playoffs. Okay, now we're going to go into free agency, and there's how many teams with cap room? Can you imagine if if one of the five or six best players in the league chooses the Clippers over the Lakers, mm-hmm. and LeBron's about to be 35, and he's got the same yeah, be, cast of characters? That'd be tough, man. Dude, that's not how this script was supposed to go. Yeah. This is super compelling stuff. To sit here and watch develop, I mean, I could make a strong argument that the Mavs in their current state are are way more desirable than the Lakers in their current state. Yeah, I mean, you could make the argument that the Mavs in their current state are more desirable than almost any team in their current state, yeah. especially the Lakers. And and that's weird because how many times over the last twenty years has the Mavs' future looked Dude, brighter than the Lakers? The I mean, Lakers man. with LeBron and cap space and a bevy of former top five picks. If we get to late July and their roster has not changed significantly, that is a massive sports story. Yeah. A massive sports story. Yeah, for and sure. And that's why you have an agent. Like, remember the John Wall rumors that didn't make sense? Mm. Like, you're going, wait, Washington? I mean, uh, I'm sorry, the Lakers want to trade for John Wall? No, Rich Paul's John Wall's agent. Mm. And he's sitting there going, man, I need to figure out a way to engineer some star power next to LeBron because mm. that's going to be a bad look for LeBron. 
dude, he's got max cap space and can't get a stud to come play with him? What? Yeah. It's not that dissimilar than what happened with Kobe. Getting studs to be interested is different, though, now because, like, Paul George decided to stay in Oklahoma City. Mm -hmm. And Kawhi Leonard might choose to stay in Toronto. These are, like, not traditionally uh, ideal destinations for these guys. Right. Like, the game is changing. The game is changing. So, just being located in L.A. or being located in Miami or wherever. Yeah, New York is not good enough. Right. Potentially. That could change this summer, of course. The Knicks have two max caps. Just want to remind everybody, the Knicks haven't been good in two decades. Basketball mecca has not been good in two decades. That arena has always been good uh, Uh, to, to watch a game at. Yep. Uh, it could use some renovations. The I think. last time the Knicks were in the finals was Dirk's rookie season, and it was an improbable run because I believe they were the eight seed. I think they were, yeah. In a 50 game season. The Spurs beat 66, them. whatever that was. Was Derek Harper on that team? No. No? Hart might have been either, I think Hart might have retired at that point, or it might have been with the Lakers. Might have been the Lakers, I think. Yeah. He might have been. Who was on that team? Was that John? It's Marcus Canby, uh, Allen Houston. No, it's like Marcus Canby, Allen Houston. I think maybe Ewing would have still been there. No, probably. Ewing's gone. Really? Yeah, Ewing. Ewing would have been out of the league by now, or he was headed. Nineteen ninety nine. Or he was headed to Seattle, or, uh, or Orlando, Orlando, or something. Right. Um, wow, that's crazy. No, this is Marcus Canby. How Alan the heck Houston, did they go to the finals? Uh, Jeff Van Gundy's a stud. Yeah. And you know, Allen Houston was you know he's good lights out shooter. Um, but that is, I believe that, and they lost to the Spurs. Taking one point right? seven threes per game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that cast of characters. Canby had a good run. I do remember that. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Uh, okay, here's a actual kind of funny question. Or not funny question, interesting question uh, before we get out of here. So the teams in the West that are not currently in the playoffs are in order from best to worst by record. Sacramento, Minnesota, L.A., New Orleans, Dallas, Memphis, and Phoenix. Mm-hmm. So the Mavs now, this would be, if they don't go on a run and they're six games out, which... It's still possible, but you know it's, it's going to be tough to make it. Yep. If they do not make the playoffs, this will be the third consecutive year they missed. Uh, and even going back to 2016 when they made it, they were two games over 500. They were the sixth seed. The year before that, they won 50, I believe, but they were the seventh seed. And even the year before that, they won 49. They were the eighth seed. So going back all the way to like 2014 or even 2013 or really even further beyond that if you want, uh, typically teams that don't make the playoffs – do so because they're young Mm -hmm. they have maybe some hot shot prospects who aren't there yet or they don't have the supporting cast yet or whatever like minnesota for example you got carl anthony towns you got wiggins but you're trying to get some support around them derrick rose is having a comeback here yeah the last couple years the Mavs have not made the playoffs but you look at their roster and think well what are the young players that i could be excited about Mm -hmm. whose future is brighter and at the end of 2017 we were, like, super hype about Seth Curry. You're thinking Nerlens. Maybe they're, they're going to have a top-ten pick. Maybe they can get somebody good with that. Um, otherwise, the roster was kind of, you know, like Yogi, Dwight Powell. I guess we can be excited about them, maybe Dorian. But now you got Luka and you got Porzingis. So I guess my question for you is, of the teams that aren't in the playoffs in the West, and even of the teams that are, you kind of brought this up whenever you're talking about the Lakers, like, whose future is brighter than the Mavs? Whose portfolio are you trading the Mavs is four. I guess the only team that I can say, look at, and definitely say, like, I would rather be them than the Mavs in five years is maybe Denver. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, like, I'm not so That's sure. That's a really interesting. Like, the, the, I, the future is bright. Obviously, this is kind of, we're not propaganda machining you. It's literally, like, you got two of the 20, 30 best players in the league. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, and no, I, I think that's fair. Like, let me give like, would you, right now they're a much better team. We'll see what happens in free agency. But if I were just to strip everybody away, I think it's a fair question. Would you rather have Porzingis and Luca, or would you rather have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid? And that's I personally, hard. it's very difficult. I personally, though, would rather have Porzingis and Luca because of the shooting. If Ben Simmons could shoot, he'd be a top three player in the league. He can't shoot. He mm. can't shoot outside. He can barely make a free throw, right? Yeah. And so you look at that and go, the hell? And so that's what makes, you know, pushes me in the direction of these, you know, our two guys. Um, Obviously, a lot rides on Porzingis' knee, blah, yes, blah, 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 blah. I mean, but Embiid doesn't have, he's not without question marks either. No. You know? And, and uh, horrible health history. And yeah. I think, too, you can change the specter of the conversation in a year. And who knows what leaps and bounds the Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton combo take. Plus, right whoever now. they get this year. Right. If they so, end up getting Zion or right. something. So, right now, you know, I like our situation better than their situation, but that's a malleable thing when guys are this young. But the, I think as we start splitting hairs, the, the takeaway is, oh, my God, we are in that conversation. And a year ago, we were nowhere near that conversation. Yeah, and two years ago, they weren't even, like, involved. We were two drafts from having the opportunity away to ask if we're allowed to be involved in a conversation. Yeah. I mean, this is some really stellar uh, combination of great scouting and but also being fortuitous and taking advantage of situations. The Mavericks have really turn this thing around yeah, they've done well I, I will say uh one of the only other teams that i would consider to have like pretty bright future comparable to the mavs is ironically atlanta trey young is turning into a bad dude he and john awesome. collins yes. is really really good so no i don't think anybody realized or they who would have gone way higher john collins is basically amari stoudemire yeah, dude. Uh, er, yeah, early day Amari Stoudemire. And that's another guy. In college, all he did was post up. Yeah. Like, he led the nation in post-ups his right. one year. In, and it's like, what do you – how? Was, how is that possible? There was debate who was better, him or Robert Williams. Yeah. Dog. I was way wrong about John Collins. I'm not afraid to admit that. But that guy is legitimately awesome. He's awesome. Yeah. He's and awesome. so between him and Trey Young, and I don't know if you've seen Young's numbers the last few games. They're, but they're outrageous. Really good. I mean, so he's, he's averaging had like 30 20 points in three straight games. Yeah. Right? I think he had 36 and eight the other day. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. And obviously in Atlanta, it's they're playing kind of, I, I, I mean, I'm not trying to be insulting, but they're playing with a little looser yeah. leash kind of, yeah. you know, because they, they, they got like nothing the to lose. It's kind of like the 94, 95 Mavericks, you know, and yeah, Dick just, Money just rolled the ball out and said, yeah. go play basketball, Just guys. play crazy yeah. we'll, and we'll figure it out, you right. know. And uh, but sometimes crazy's good. Like if if Trey Young is kind of trying to be the Steph, Steph doesn't play by the rules. No, you know, he kind of he invented his own rules. Uh, so Atlanta's up there. Uh, I guess Boston, but we'll see if those guys are still on the team after the summer. I don't know what's happening with them. You mm -hmm. know, they're always involved in trade rumors. Um, and then otherwise, dude, I mean, maybe Sacramento. You got Bagley's looking really good. I love Bagley. Fox is a man, a bad man. That's a fun team. Uh, yeah, that's a really good team. And they got cap space too this summer, so yeah. who knows? Buddy Heald is looking really nice Looks too. Real good. Although he is 26 years old, which Can is kind of weird. He's older than Harrison Barnes. Did you know that? You know, I didn't know that. Yeah, Can you imagine if the Pelicans did not make that trade? I bet Anthony Davis is still a part of their future. Which which one? Uh, for for Boogie. Oh, for Boogie. If they would have held on to Buddy and, and yeah. who was involved in and that trade? There's picks. There's Buddy. Uh, there was some cap space ramifications. Yeah. But I mean, basically, they gave up a lot for two months of Boogie. Yeah. I mean, if your team now, if you would have held on to Boogie, or if Boogie doesn't get hurt, then it it might work out differently, of course. But if your team is like Drew Holiday, Buddy, Anthony Davis, and yeah. a pick, yeah, it's pretty you know, good. Could be pretty good. Pretty but good. 
That's the that is the high stakes game of having a superstar. Yeah, man. The expectations always on. Yeah, man. But uh, anyway, the future's dang bright. So I guess the rest of the season we're watching that. Uh, watch Chris Tapps warm up. Watch Dirk play basketball. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to hit on before we get out of here? Before we go, just for you, uh, for those of you that enjoy this sort of stuff. So I pulled up the 99 Knicks roster. Okay. I way misremembered it. First of all, they were fourth in their conference. Fourth in their conference. Eighth. Uh, and here's, you want to hear the first name on the roster? Yeah. Rick Brunson. Rick Brunson. Daddy of Jalen. I'll be darned. Marcus Camby, Chris Childs, Ben Davis, Chris Dudley. Yes, Patrick Ewing was still there. They were eighth. Allen Houston, they were? They were fourth, I think, in their division. They were eighth oh, in the, in the Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Good. My memory didn't completely desert me. 27 and 23. Okay, yep. Uh, Larry Johnson, Dennis Scott, Latrell Sprewell, Kurt Thomas, Charlie Ward, Former Maverick Herb Williams, Big Herb Williams, and then David Wingate. They had Larry Johnson and who was the guy that you said right after Larry Johnson? Uh, Dennis Scott. Dennis Scott. Another former. They had a lot of shooting on that team. With Allen Houston, too. Uh, And they were (laughs) in an era of taking the air out of the ball. They were 24th in pace at 86.9. 86.9? Yep. Their, oh my their offensive God. rating was at 98.6. Their defensive rating was 97.5. What did the offense rank at 98.6? Uh, 26th. Dang, and they made it to the finals. They made it to the finals. Who was the number one team in offense that season? Uh, sports. Sports. Let's see. Ooh, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, I'm here. the number one offensive rating in 98, 99. Um, ah, shoot. Oh, the was Indi- that? It's the Indiana Pacers. Oh, with Reggie Miller. Uh, Rick Carlisle was on that staff, right? With Jalen uh, Rose. And I think so, yeah. They scored 108.7, which is not bad, actually. Yeah. Their pace, 86.4. Dude, the fastest team that season. Oh, my God. The fastest team by a mile. Sacramento averaged 96 possessions per one or per 48 minutes. Nobody else was above 91.6. Wow. That's crazy. 96 now would rank last by, like, yeah. five. I mean, that's a lot has changed, wild, baby. Dude. This version of basketball is a lot more fun to watch. Trust me. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, all right, well, there's a quick history lesson, Skin. Yeah, we did it. Uh, we'll be back with you next. Oh, are are you going on the road at all next week? Oh, I'm going to be in Surprise, Arizona. So if you want to do it over the phone, we can do that. Okay, because I'll not, be, we may in, be on a hiatus. Yeah, because I'll be in Brooklyn, and then I'll be in Washington D.C., and then I will be in Orlando. I like the, the way you roll, dog. Yeah, so uh, maybe we'll figure something out. But we're we're going to bring you something of some shape and size next week. Yeah, one of us or both of us or maybe more. I don't know. Um, so yeah, that's it. We'll be back with you next week. Skin. Yes, do, Bobby. Do good in Surprise. Do some do some good. I'm gonna get out there and help the community. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise! I'm here. Yeah. Do well. Also. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you got well. any big interviews lined up or any anything you're looking forward I'm to? I'm sure we will spend some time with new manager uh, Chris Woodward. That'd okay. be very nice. And then usually we catch up with Joey Gallo. I think he's comfortable with us at this point. Yeah. Maybe get Nomar on. Always do Elvis. Elvis is fantastic. So yeah, we'll get our uh, Ben and Skin Ranger fix. Dude, big changes out there. Their Dirk is gone. It is gonna. It's gonna be weird this year with the Rangers. Yeah. But I'm looking completely forward to different. It. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right, Skin, thank you for joining me. Yeah. We'll be back with you next week. It is numbers on the boards.